Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control from Happy Mammoth. Estro Control contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including Estro Control. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. Living Corporate is brought to you by Canaries. Let me tell you about Canaries. Canaries is a tech company formed in 2018 by black founders who experienced inequities in the corporate world like most of us in the workplace. They saw typical diversity initiatives, but knew that to create systemic change, diversity, equity, and inclusion needed to be done differently. They're still ahead of the curve, focusing on the E and the I using a data-driven approach. Think Canary in the Coal Mine. The name is a nod to the canaries coal miners used to bring into mines to determine if the work environment was safe or undesirable. That's what they do for companies. They help you find the folks you need to listen to, the canaries, who will help you diagnose, measure, and attack your DEI challenges. Canaries has your back. Check them out at www.canaries.com backslash employer. That's www.canaries.com. K-A-N-A-R-Y-S dot com backslash employer. Living Corporate is brought to you by Black Men in Tech. Black Men in Tech's mission is to elevate the voice of black men in the technology space by offering year-round engagement opportunities and philanthropic contributions for people in the black community, the neighborhood. In the tech industry, black men regularly struggle to access networking and career advancement opportunities. At Black Men in Tech 2021, they are partnering with their allies to create a safer space where black men can share their experiences authentically. Through this effort, Black Men in Tech hopes to share knowledge that can be used by black attendees to overcome race-based obstacles, while also offering non-black allies the chance to learn how they can be more supportive of their melanated colleagues. To learn more about the Black Men in Tech conference that will be happening on June 19th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, check them out at Black Men in Tech. Dot com. That's B-L-K-M-E-N-I-N-T-E-C-H dot com. Black Men in Tech. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate and, you know, recording this the weekend after Derek Chauvin after his sentencing of 22 and a half years. You know, it's interesting. I think it's it's important and it's also possible to hold many different emotions um, and hold space for people who are in different places with the news of this sentencing. On one hand, you have folks who are saying, this is police accountability. 
this is um, more years than what could the range rather the historical range of uh, these charges and there are other folks who say hey look this isn't enough right like he should have gotten life in prison he shouldn't with no parole um, he should never see the light of day again and I think it's important to honor and respect the fact that both of those realities can exist simultaneously and I also believe it's important for all of us to push our collective imagination of what justice and what accountability means and then I also, you know, when it comes to imagination, it takes imagination to challenge systems because systems are big and complex by design. So when I think about the sentencing of uh, Derek Chauvin and when people say, well, you know, he got he got more years than the average for this, these charges. And my response is, you know, he, those charges and the range of those charges uh, didn't fit what Derek Chauvin did. Right. But again, when we start talking about, well, it's beyond the range of a charge and this law and that law, what we're describing is a system, right? And the uncomfortable truth is that black and brown folks go to jail much longer for crimes that don't even involve harming people, let alone killing people. And so we don't have to, nor do we owe anyone calm respectable responses to injustices, to trauma, to institutional harm, right? We don't. And you know, when you think about this whole concept of reimagining systems and to reimagine a system, first off, you have to reject the current system, right? Like, and that's scary for people. I get that. I get that it's scary to reject systems because it's like, well, then what do we have? How do things work? But it's okay. It's a really healthy. We look at the world that we're in and so much of it is fundamentally broken. So it's more than healthy and reasonable to reject systems. It is. It's interesting because today's guest, uh, he is um, an author, an activist, a father, a husband, a rapper, a speaker, an educator, a mentor to several people. And uh, frankly, um, I was a fan. Uh, I am a fan. I was like a, like a super fan coming up and I told him as much. Uh, his name is Propaganda. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Propaganda, um, he just wrote a book actually called uh, Terraform. And so we talk about the book. We talk about the concept of terraforming. What does that mean? We talk about creating impact and change. And we talk a lot about systems. I'm excited for y'all to hear this interview, uh, but before we do that, we're going to tap in with Tristan. I'm going to see you in a minute. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. Today, let's discuss how you can politely say no at work. We've all been there, where we wanted to say no to coworkers and sometimes even our bosses, but we aren't sure how to phrase it. Being able to say no is a skill that you must master to achieve success at work. There are times when you have to set boundaries to focus on the workload you currently have instead of piling on more. Erica Pierce, Millennial Leadership Coach at the Millennial Boardroom, provided four great ways to politely say no in a recent email that I wanted to share with you all. First, thank you but I'm not taking anything else on right now. 
By starting with thank you, you're being nice and respectful. The second part of that statement implies that you've already got your hands full, which explains why you cannot take on the request. Lastly, by saying right now, you're letting them know that it's not because you can't do the task, but you need to prioritize your time. Second, I'm not able to commit to that right now. While this statement communicates the same thing as the previous point, it's a bit more firm in its phrasing. You can follow up this statement with a very brief explanation of why you feel you have to say no, but be careful not to get into over-explaining. Third, unfortunately, it's not a good time. By saying unfortunately in this statement, it acknowledges that the task presented to you is important and that you empathize with your coworker. Here, you can follow up with an alternative option or something like, I'll let you know if I can help as soon as I'm done with this task. Lastly, thank you for thinking of me. I really wish I could. This statement is a bit more enthusiastic than the others, but still communicates that you know your limits. This helps your coworker or boss not feel as bad for having their request rejected. Look, I understand saying no at work can be uncomfortable. Believe me, that's a common problem in the workplace. But by using these phrases, the people you work with will understand if you can't do something at the moment, and likely they won't hold it against you. Check out more on Erica Pierce at www.themillennialboardroom.com. Thanks for tapping in with me today. Don't forget, I'm now taking submissions from you all on career questions, issues, concerns, or advice you think may help others. So make sure to submit yours at bit.ly forward slash tap in Tristan. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. At Living Corporate, we often talk about how we as black folks show up at work and how these corporate power structures impact how we show up. But we know when work ends, we come home, log off, and have to show up at home for our families and communities. And as a black man, I often turn to Let's Talk, bruh, for their real, honest, and healing conversations on black masculinity, mental health, and patriarchy. Let's Talk, bruh, or LTB, is a platform that creates content around black masculinity and the impact of patriarchy in black communities. In other words, Let's Talk, bruh, is having real conversations that black men need to hear and be a part of. Let's Talk, bruh, creates interactive, healing, and learning experiences with black men and male socialized folks of all sexual orientations and gender identities. Through their content and community-based programs, Let's Talk Bruh seeks to reduce patriarchal violence in our community and provide support to those most impacted by patriarchal violence, specifically black women, girls, femmes, queer, trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming people. Tap in at letstalkbruh.com. To be clear, that's letstalkbruh.com. So brothers, what are you waiting for? Let's talk, bruh. Prop, what's going on, man? How you doing? Man, I'm good, homie. Can't complain. Man, it's a blessing to have you here. Look, um, you know, I'm connecting to you because of this book, uh, Terraform, Building a Better World. Yeah. I really want to understand, man. Like, I think like, especially in this space, like this, like this, this Christian space, uh -huh. um, you know, you exist, you exist in a lot of different places at the same time as a musician, yeah. as an activist, as an educator. Like what what led you to write Terraform? Man, I think uh, ultimately it's like finding a way to, like you said, like I exist in so many different spaces, finding a way to like create a uh, sort of a universe for myself. Um, 
I was asked at some point by my management, like, hey, what do you want to talk about for the next 10 years? And I was like, sheesh, mm. 10 years? Uh, this better be a pretty big concept or like really core to who I am. So I thought about like, well, yeah, I think I, I'm really, all that I do, like you said, like activism, my faith, poetry, it's all about sort of the structure and formation of culture. So that became like, all right, so what do I think about it? You know what I mean? And that's where I came across the term terraform, you know, which uh, it's science fiction word about when you find a distant planet in the process of making that planet yeah. livable is called terraforming. So I was like, yeah, that's making culture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah. It's interesting, right? Like, so, you know, your background, like you're, you know, you're the son, you're the son of a black yeah. Panther. Um, I think about like this current space of like white evangelicalism and like, you've never really fit like oh, into no. <laughs> like the respectability yeah. folks they expect. Mm. Right. And like, you know, like you've had, like, I just, I remember, cause I was like, I, like I was like, we were talking about off mic is I remember like when, when I first saw you, I was like, I was like, dog is this dude looks like like, grimy, <laughs> like in a good way. Like he's like this, this, the streets yeah, like yeah. for real. He looked different. Yeah. Um, and, uh-huh. Different, right? And especially like, I want to say because you know, I don't, I don't want to get too nerdy, but shoot, this is yeah, let's go, it's your pod. So, okay, so it's okay, so it's it's so here's the thing, right? Like, there was like this era, right? Like, so you think about like cross movement. Yeah. Cross movement was like so even like cross movement, soul fruit. I'll even bring, I'll even pull them up. Like they, everything kind of existed in this, and I know soul fruit wasn't hip hop, but it's like everything existed like in these very like I don't know defined boxes of like yeah. what black music even hip-hop likes like cross movement was street and like they of course are like the godfathers of so much yeah. of this stuff but like you know they weren't rocking up with like dreads and like yeah you know like it just that wasn't the yeah. vibe like boys had edge ups yeah. and like you know they looked they looked good like they, they looked clean cut brothers yeah whatever <laughs> they were clean cut so they, they were even acceptable they even fit within like they even fit within like the norms of what perhaps like your white evangelical would expect of a quote-unquote yeah. rapper Whereas like you show up and like you're you're coming up in this space and you're you've been like historically uh fervent and like consistent yeah. in your position on like white supremacy, like before it was like hyper trendy. Yeah. Um yeah. right. Like 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 talk to me about what informed precious Puritans yeah. and like the work like like talk to me about that and then talk to me about like just how that's even informed how you interpret like and navigate the current evangelical landscape today? Yeah, that's a great question, man. I think, you know, you bring up cross movement. It's like, so my prehistory is I was sort of the last wave of a group called Tunnel Rats. And that was my first group. So I came up in this sort of West Coast scene. Obviously, this is like before the internet ran everything. So you know, if you, to know what was going on in Philly or in the South, you had to go there. You know what I'm saying? Like, we didn't, we didn't know what was going on over there, you know? So we just knew out here, you had, you had Tunnel Rats, you had people like Pigeon John and LA Symphony, dudes like Abstract Rude, you know, who were all a part of this scene, who we knew were Christians, you know what I'm saying? But we were all at the same events. We were all we all battled, we all freestyled, we all were at the open mics, you know? So our scene was one for which 
because it was like, since it's not New York, since it's not Philly, you know, we were so passionate about building a hip hop scene here um, that there was such a camaraderie about, man, you know, you from the coast. So no matter what God you, you, you worshiping on Sunday, like we ride for you because you're from the coast, you know what I'm saying? So we had this sort of like, we're a part of the scene kind of attitude, you know? Um, and then you come across people like cross movement and what was going on over there, which was much more influenced by like the five percenters and the nation of Islam, where they right. were so much more, you had to be so much more militant. I'm saying this now, you know, in retrospect, but at the time, like, we didn't know what we were right. doing, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, <laughs> so I was just like my OGs. My OGs were LPG, we were talking about. It's like, I was just like them. So like, I was like, I'm ahead, I'm a B-boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, I'm, I came from right. graffiti, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, we're, we're B-boys. And then, so when you meet somebody that you thought was like, at the time, like, well, y'all look like heads, you know what I'm saying? You look like, you look like it, you know what I'm saying? But right. you had so many, but they had so many parameters around what it was supposed to look like as a Christian rapper that we just didn't have where we were, right. you know what I'm saying? So, right. I, and I, and now, like I said, in retrospect, I understand it's because they were coming from this, like I said, this super militant East Coast world where if you look back at a Wu-Tang yeah. record, it's like, this is 5% apologetics. Like, that's what it is. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. but I didn't know yes. that, you know what I'm saying? I was just like, I was just hip hop. Like, okay, poor righteous teachers. They're Muslims. Cool. I love them. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you just don't, right. you know, right. native tongue. They, the Muslims. All right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, so, you know, we Word. just didn't, we just didn't consider it. So I think that like I came into a scene thinking that, you know, in my own naive way, like hip hop was hip hop and that everyone thought like we did. So, you know, I, once I found out that that was not the case, I felt as though, well, I'm gonna stay true. Like, I'm just gonna be who I am. And I know there's a crowd for this. If y'all never accept me, I mean, this ain't even, like again, I was such a backpacker. I was like, "This ain't even hip hop." Like, what I what I care if this church want to book me or not. Like, you know what I'm saying? This this ain't right. hip hop. You feel me? So, so I didn't. I just I had an attitude of like, if you want to if you want to talk scripture, if you want to talk apologetics, like let's go there. You know what I'm saying? Because I am a Christian and right. I do believe in the scriptures. You know what I'm saying? But you ain't never asked me. Right, you know right. what I'm saying? So like. That, but if you want to talk about it, like, yes, I have a reason for why I do what I do. And I don't understand why right. you need a chapter and verse for it. Like, I just don't understand what you don't understand. You know what I'm saying? So so I think that was kind mm -hmm. of my stance. So then with the Precious Puritans thing was when we started, like, getting a little notoriety. And I started traveling more, not necessarily in the Christian music circuit, but in the conference circuit. Because our music yeah. was so cerebral. You know what I'm saying? Like, so because of that, like, I was getting brought into these, like, you know, they were evangelical, but they were conferences. These were adults, you know? So, so, right. so as I'm doing this, I'm just sitting in the back. And again, like you said, I'm a panther, I'm a son of a panther. And I'm listening to these preachers, like just pontificate about how amazing the Puritans were. And I was looking around in the room, like, is anyone gonna, am I the only one that, <laughs> there's no way none of y'all know this, you know? And I was just, and I was more, I was first, I was just befuddled. And then after I was befuddled, I was like frustrated. I was angry. 
right. then finally I was like, then I was self-reflective because again, I'm a believer. So I was like, you know, are they any different than I am? And I'm like, nah, they're flawed. They're flawed individuals. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, dang, this will make a really dope poem. So, so that's where it came from, you know? Um, but I think that like, ultimately you, when you come in as an outsider and it's one of those things to where it was like, I didn't think I was until y'all told me I was. Does that make yeah. sense? You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, so that's the that's that was my interaction with white evangelicalism because I didn't come from that. I came from we come from like black and Latino inner city churches and they're Cal and we're Californians. So we weren't a part of that, but we thought we served mm. the same God. So when we walked in, mm. it was bizarre. We were like, wait, what? Like, you know what I'm saying? So it was just more like, oh, so okay, word, this is different. <laughs> Now I know, right. you know what I'm saying? So it was kind of like, right. all right, cool. Right. Well, it's like you drew the fence. Yeah, I'm like, y'all drew the line in the sand. I didn't, you did. 100%. So if that's the case, then I'm like, all right, well then I'm just not gonna be concerned about you, you know? And, um, but if I have your ear, like if I'm still getting gigs like Catalyst and you know what I'm saying? If I'm still getting these like conference gigs where I'm full of these white people, I'm gonna give them the business. Like you booked me. I only have right. my work, you right. know what I'm saying? Like. I right. only have my poem. I can't do nothing. I don't yeah, have Yeah, I only anymore. have my work. So I'm going to perform my work, you know? It's interesting, man, because I remember, so I remember when Precious Periodance came, dropped, and like, um, this was when I was still subscribed to um, doggone Gospel Coalition. I was heavy in Gospel Coalition at the time. Very, you know what I'm saying? I was all about it. And I just remember people like really debating the value of the work. Like, talk to me about like the personal conversations that you had with folks uh, of your, of our pigmentation yeah. with folks, with people who, who call themselves yeah. allies. Like what was the fault? Cause it, cause it was a fallout. Like, I don't feel like, no, I'm it was a fallout. Like, like I feel it like definitely, it was definitely a like, fallout. Talk to me about how that. It was funny. I'll be honest with you. It was funny because if you, you know, you know, our history. So humble beast, like that's odd Thomas and Braille and them the whitest white boys, oh, you know yes. what I'm saying? And yes. And they got bars for you. Too. Yes, and they got bars. So they were like, they were like, we recorded the song. They're like, we recorded the song. You're absolutely right. These people don't, first of all, they don't understand poetry, right? Because if you understood poetry, you would understand that he's, there's multiple points happening here. And that you're holding yourself at just as much fault as the Puritans. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, that, yes. and, that's, and that's the part yes. that like, I was finding peace in the fact that I'm like, okay, so you don't understand poetry and clearly you're convicted. Mm -hmm. So there's like two things happening. You know what I mean? Conviction yeah, it's conviction oh, and yeah. you don't know what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> any of your defenses were saying, and they, 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 they jumped to my defense. They were like, when fools are like, what is the actual problem? Do we not treat, do we not venerate the Puritans? And they're like, we're just afraid that young, young people will not read them. And they're like, is that key to their salvation? Whether they read the Puritans or not? Yeah, it's, it's like, does he have yeah do you have to? Do, do you have to read the Puritans, right? <laughs> and then things like the Gospel Coalition making statements like, man, there was really no visible sin in their life. And we're going, word, you really, so you really believe that there was a moment in the body that we actually became sinless. Because <laughs> what does that say about your- Yeah, what does that say about like, your theology you first? Right. I, let yeah. me first set aside the fact that slavery, the transatlantic slave trade was happening right now. <laughs> let me set that aside right now. Do you really think it's possible? 
Right. What are you, Nazarene? Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you're going to get to sinless. You're going to live a moment of sin. And you saying this entire swath of the body did that. As, okay, word. So you got an idol. You know what I'm saying? It was just so clear. Right. So right. so that was right. like our our inner conversation where it was like, bro, you good. And and the beauty of like the people that were experts in Puritans were like, we were waiting for somebody to say this. We don't understand why nobody right. else. I don't understand why nobody else didn't bring this up. We know this, you know. Um, and then uh, Pastor Tabidi wrote like a 12 point diatribe, Ooh. this like blog of Fire. like, okay, y'all got an issue. Let me talk about it. And I was like, so after right. that, I was, because my attitude was like, again, I'm an MC. I was like, I said what I said. Right. I don't understand. What do you want me to add to it? You want to do an interview about at the time? I was like, all I'm going to do is repeat the lyrics. There's nothing else to add. I said what I needed to say. What did you mean when you said I said what I meant? I don't understand. What did you talk right, about? Right like, you know, so so to <laughs> me at the time, I was like, I don't got nothing to add because I said what I meant. Right. And then Tabidi answered it. Mm. And I was like, I defer to his answer because it was so perfect <laughs> and it was it, it was, was flawless. flawless. And it was like, and for me, I'm like, I don't got time for this. And I'm like, y'all don't understand poetry. I was like, you don't understand the genre. So I'm like, I don't even know where to start with you. And they were like, well, then why did you spend so much time talking or tearing down the Puritans and only one line about yourself? And I'm like, okay, so because, okay, have you seen a movie? Like, it's the reveal. Like I'm building up to the review. Like what? Okay, so you don't. All right, I don't. I just don't. It's poetry. It's poetry. Again, it's art, I'm like, all right, you don't understand poetry. And at the time, yeah, you know, in in that particular space, that's true. Like there wasn't any P4CM. There wasn't any poets in autumn. There wasn't any of that. It was me. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, right. so I understand right. y'all don't understand poetry, but you don't understand poetry. So, whatever. You know. It's wild because um, so in the song uh, Misconception on Church Clothes, which was like so revolutionary at the time as a mixtape, even though even though Show Baraka did the same thing like the year before that. Totally did. Yes. And hold on real quick. So why? What is up, man? Like, what is up with that? Like Show Baraka, I feel like and look, I'm getting my nerd on because I because I all these conversations I've had with my mans. And I was like, if I ever sit on talk to propaganda, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna ask. Show Baraka did the like he had the exact same blueprint. Now it wasn't as um, sexy, but it was the same thing. Yeah, you have to remember, like, really the what Lecrae meant to that world. Like he was their baby, so it's just they yeah. just he just meant so much. Show is much less approachable he's too rough around the edges he's too but i think ultimately <laughs> the answer is something that my man Mur said he told me this once he was like man mm -hmm. you know you it's you can't ride a wave if you're ahead of it or if you're creating it mm -hmm. like you can't ride the wave because you created the wave so that's the thing about people like show you know and i think in some ways myself but specifically show He's ahead of the curve always. So because of that, he yeah. can't ever ride it because he's ahead of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's yeah. just his, that's, it's one of those things to where it's like, 
I don't know when he'll ever get his flowers, you know, except for people that get it. You know what I'm saying? Because he's ahead of the curve. Right. He just, right. He's ahead of the curve. Man, when I tell you, because I was like, because then after that, I want to, um, like, So We Live as Kings drop, some yeah. other stuff continued to, like, that it, a wave happened to yeah. your whole point. Like, he was just above it. And like I said, like, we connected, when we first connected, it was like this weird, like, twinsy kind of thing. One, because he's from Cali, like, we're from a pretty similar space. And the fact that, like, so many times, you know, although we, we are we are very, very distinct in our personalities, there's a lot of us that that's very similar. And how often when we put out lyrics or put out work, we like text each other where it was just like, I, you beat me to it. I was going to say that. And you don't even know I, it's already written. And he'll be in the same thing like, man, I can't believe you put that. Like, so, so Gentrify, Precious Puritans, he was like, dog, yes. I, you beat me to it. You know what I'm saying? And then with him, with the Talented 10th, and when he did, so when he did, um, Yes, yeah, so, so there were certain songs on his record where I was just like, oh my God, Doug, I can, you just beat me to it, bro. Like, I was thinking the same thing, dude. Yeah. That's so dope, man. So, like, it's interesting, like, in this song, going back to this song, song Misconception, like, so you kick off your verse, you say, uh, slang came from a land where they suffered from the effects of depravity, like gangbanging and earthquakes. And I want to get back to this, man, this idea of, like, terraforming. Like, you, frankly, like, like, you've been really talking about terraforming um, there's been a meta narrative of terraformation yeah. in your content for the past, you know, 15 yeah, the whole years. time, yeah, like, yeah, right, like, talk to me about like what does that practically look like and mean today? And shoot, you know what? I'm gonna be greedy. I didn't get to ask the follow up question, which is all the stuff around precious puritans and the commentary, white evangelicalism. Like, talk to me about like your view of to of like white evangelicalism today after Trump, after the insurrection, like. Bring all that together for me, too. Man, so I'll answer the last question first. Obviously, it's, it's an identity crisis. I think that there were, you know, it's hard to say about an entire group of individuals, you know, a, a, a statement about them all. But I think as a concept or as an institution, it's defined itself. And there are those that are inside of it that are find themselves like so far down a cave that they're like, I don't know my way out. Like I didn't, this is not what I signed up for. So I think that there's definitely a, 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 a fraction of white evangelicalism that was like, I came for Jesus. Like, I didn't know I had these, this baggage. I didn't know it had this history which of course is a product of privilege, but I think that there's a reckoning and a line that was drawn in the sand when your leadership told you, here's the situation. This is, this is, this is how we vote and this is our guy. You're either in or you're out. So it was, again, it was almost similar to like my experience where it was like, they drew the line in the sand and you had to decide, are you in or are you out? And I think that they made right. it very clear that we are siding with the extreme among us. And you have revealed that you're deeply racist, you know what I'm saying? And deeply married to the status quo and want that to continue. So it left your, your average person sitting on the pews with an ultimatum to be like, eh, if I'm getting out, 
what's my alternative? And I think if I'm gonna put my brain in the in the mind of the white evangelical, that's the question. It's like, but where do I go then? You know what I'm saying? So I'm I'm doing this to be as gracious as possible to him. You know what I'm saying? Because I think because at the same time I'm just like, it's a voter block. Like I'm like white evangelical is a voter block. It's not a faith. It's a voter block. You know what I'm saying? And their brain's been cooked by QAnon, and it, there's and it's like just. Let it go. It's not worth saving. I don't, you know, just forget it. They've made their choice. The boat's sinking. You know what I'm saying? But I do think we are in a season where, yeah, like what we mean by evangelical, what our denominations are, they're just, they've, they've been thrown in the air and it's going to be redefined. I think it's in, in the same way of like, if you're following our political parties in America, it's like, this is not sustainable what we're in right now, this death spiral of partisanism, it's just anybody who studied history, you're like, oh, this isn't sustainable. No, uh, <laughs> a nation can't withstand this. Parties can't withstand right. it. It's going to fracture into something else. I just don't know what that something else is. So I think that that's the same with evangelicalism. It's like specifically white evangelicalism. It'll become something else or they'll develop a civil war and the civil war in America will be white evangelicals against the rest of us because they have just put their yeah. feet in the yeah. sand and they're like deeply, man. Yes. This is the plan of God for this nation. And God's imagination does not have space for y'all. Right. It's so scary, man. Yeah. It's scary. And it's also like in the idea of like, as a longer view of history, it's like, well, it's Anabaptists. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's like, we've had, it's Puritans. It's like, they disappear. You know what I'm saying? Like denominations disappear. It happens all the time. It's happened all through history. You just don't know until after. So part of me is like, y'all on your way out and you just don't know it. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what you're going to become, but what you doing is like, this is some antebellum, like you holding on to something that's just not sustainable and you slowly lose in power now. And maybe you don't know you in a death spiral, but you clearly in a death spiral unless you, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Unless you, uh, 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 either you abandon ship or you course correct. I just don't know what to tell you. It just don't sound like you're going to course correct because that whiteness is too important to you. Yeah, man. So when I think about your book, I think about like, the work you're doing now, like, what does it look like in this moment? I know you're saying it's not sustainable and I yeah. agree with you. But so, so what does terraforming look like in this context today? It means start over. It's exactly what it means. It's like you're looking around at, the, at your space, whether it's your church space, your community space, your personal space, your geopolitical space, partisan space, and you're like, this is not serving us. So we need to remember that where we've gotten to was just us. We imagined this. We built it and now we're in it, which means we could tear it down and rebuild something else. But it takes, like I keep going back to, like this this idea of having a little bit of a, or a lot of bit of prophetic imagination, you know, like imagine something better, imagine something different that serves more, that is more life-giving, that is more Christ-like, you know what I mean? So in the space of this, this white evangelical, it's like you can't somehow the religious right movement, the Phyllis Schlafly's of the world, you know, the uh, Jerry Falwell Sr., the senior of the world that created 
what you see as a white evangelical as we know it out of the clear blue sky they made it up you know what i'm saying all of the talking points all of the political points the way that church is done like they made it up you know what i'm saying so since they made it up out of just the clear blue then you could say right now it's like but y'all can't imagine something else you can't imagine before that clearly Therefore, now you can't imagine after that, Word. you know, so what I'm saying is like, it's going to take a second to like, imagine something else. What is this? Like, what is it possible? Like, I say this as just like, just as a point of, of, of interest, it's like abortion wasn't always a Christian stance, like being anti-abortion and pro-life. Yeah. The church wasn't always anti-abortion. And I know that's hard to imagine, but- no, it wasn't. It wasn't always. It wasn't always conservative. It wasn't always, you know what I'm saying? These are like, it wasn't always like this. But you can't even imagine that. You know what I'm saying? So my, what Terraform, what I'm trying to do with this book is saying, why can't you imagine that? What happened? You know, like, we'll try to. Well, let's, let's, get, some, let's get loose. Let's do some exercises. Let's try to imagine something else. You know, and that's... um. That's really like what I was hoping to do with the poetry and the art with this book. So speaking of that, right, like, talk to me about your process for writing. You've been a writer. Long time. I think my mom always told me that a good writer is a good reader. Right. Right. I know you've like, yeah. you've, been, you've been consuming content. Like, yeah. talk to me about this process of like, when do you know what your writing is going to be? A poem versus a song versus a book? Like, how do you parse it out? Yeah, I think for me, it's, yeah, I'm definitely concept first. And I would add to your mom's axiom, which is true, a good writer is a good reader. I also say a good writer is a good listener, you know, good observer, because I think I'm personally like a slow reader. <laughs> so a lot of times, like, it's audiobooks or it's podcasts, or it's like, so because I just read slow. But the absorption of ideas and of concept and various ways of thinking about things, various ways of looking at things. And then self-reflection becomes, yeah, just like the raw, like periodic table of like what I'm going to write about. But you don't know if it's a poem or a song until you start writing, you know? And then for poetry, I think for me, like, it starts with a really good turn of phrase. Like if I have a really good sentence or a really good turn of phrase, in my mind, I'm like, the poem's done. It's already written. It's just zipped up into that sentence. I can sit it over on the shelf and mm. come back to it later. Like Dear Board of Education, so are we. Done. The poem's done. You could just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's in that. I just gotta, I just gotta <laughs> unpack that at some point. Yeah. It, you yeah. know, in the book, if coffee were a man, it'd be a black man. Poem's done. It's already in it. The <laughs> sentence is strong enough. You just have to like take your time. And for me, that's when like I start rubbing my hands together. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the Birdman cash money rub where I'm like, all right, here we go. You know, I'll get to it. It's already there. The work's already there. I'm not the artist, I'm the canvas. It's already in it. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of my work is that. It's like once I already got that, if I got that phrase, if I got that turn of phrase, I'm like, we'll just see how it plays out. But that's really my process. You, I absorb a lot. And then if I can like get it into like a, a phrase or a word that is 
chock full of meaning enough, then I'm like, oh, yeah, then it's just a matter of unpacking it. So you talk about absorbing, you talk about listening. I remember, remember, I told you, I've, I've been, been around, I've been, I've been following yeah. for a while, yeah. I've been around. So I remember when you got excited about Lux's third round. Yes. For the battle. Yeah. <laughs> Loaded Lux. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm trying to figure out like, do you listen to of Valorant course. like that? Are you like a battle? Yeah. Rap? I think Word? I okay. do. I do. Now I'm in dad mode recently, so I haven't been keeping up like I wish I could, but I know like who's spitting and who not. Yeah. So let's talk about it, right? Because like I'm trying to figure out, like I'm curious to get your perspective on like how, if at all, does that influence like your art? Like, is that is that a part of, you know, as you think about like the table of content that you engage? No, I think for me, that's like anybody who watches WWE. It's like, this is yeah. wrestling. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to where I'm like, right. it's yeah, it's really entertainment. And it's like, it's so far, like that type of battling is so far removed from the battling that I did that I'm like, it's a whole other sport. It's a whole other genre. It's like a boxer watching like UFC to where you're like, this is just, this is different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Different. So I can appreciate it for what it is. But yeah, people have asked me a few times like, hey man, you, you ever gonna get back into this thing? I'm like, no, bro. Like Into battle rap? Yeah, because I came from it. Whoa. And I'm like, nah, this is different. But, 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 this, but this era though? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This era is different. I'm like, I'm not battling <laughs> yeah. these dudes. Like, are you kidding me? No, you know what I'm saying? Like, first of all, I got my title belts. They already hanging. I am not putting that in jeopardy. You know what I'm saying? I'm not putting my legacy in jeopardy, number one. And number two, I'm like, this, like I said, it's a different sport. I'm out here like, I would be like an iPhone 5. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was great for my time. You feel me? But like, yo, these right. mugs are on 5G out here. You know, like, I'm not, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I know my place. You feel me? But I will say, I, what it does for me, rather than like writing content, it just keeps me connected to the culture, you know, because as a dad and yeah, as yeah, somebody yeah. like touring, it's easy to like get away from like the pulse of the culture. Right. So for me, it's like, that's really the biggest role it plays. It's like, I, I want to stay connected, like who hot, you know what I'm saying? Who's that young spitter, you know? And then even with just listening to just who's on the streets right now, like who's that, who's hot in the streets right now? Like, what are, what are they talking about? Where's music going? Just as a, as someone that's just a fan, you know what I mean? And I think that's actually full circle to like the cross movement stuff. Like they would say so much on things about like, oh man, hip hop's evil. This is a this is a means to to preach the gospel. And I'm like, I love right. hip hop. I don't understand. I feel like this is God's, this is the Lord's gift to us. Like hip hop saved my life. Right. I don't know what to tell you. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I don't right. know. I love it. You know? Uh, <laughs> so you're tripping. Then why do you rap? You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, so. Again, we're talking long time ago things. Right. But uh Right. But, right, right. Yeah. So for me, it's like I still love the scene. I still love hip hop. So I I stay into the battle rap stuff just because I love it, you know. So that I mean that that's a good subway, man. Like what you got some projects coming down the pipeline? Like what's next? Oh, you know it, man. There's three other Terraform EPs. Um, there's one that's being mixed right now. Uh, they're named after the sections in the book. So if you get the book, it's like there's four sections, the sky, the soil, the people, and the possibility. So the people is already out. So then the next EP is called the sky. 
That's hard, man. Look, uh, prop. It's it's been an honor. Bro, uh, I appreciate you. you man. Um, look, we consider you a friend of the show. Uh, y'all, listen. The book is called Terraform: Building a Better World. We've been talking to Prop Propaganda. Yeah. He goes by Prop. He's a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But make sure you check out the book. It's in the show in the show notes. Click the link. Make sure you cop. It's fire. Uh, your man's they sent they sent me a copy. Yes. So I was able to like get get yes. started. Very excited. And uh, it's very approachable, actually. I was like, which isn't shocking considering like the history of your art, but I appreciate it because sometimes I don't know, man. People be yeah, people be trying to talk over your head. I'm like, I'm like, man, can you just kind of get to the point, dog? Like people, you know. Yeah, bro. Like that was one thing, like one of my biggest critiques, the pushback even from the editor was like, let's make sure like they don't want to understand it five years from now. Let's understand it now. So right. I was like, yeah, now. okay. So they really pushed at me to like really massage the stuff. And I'm I'm so glad they did. All right, Prop. Well, look, man, I want you to uh, take care, man. We'll talk soon. All right, family. Peace. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Leadership Range, a podcast within the Living Corporate Network. Hosted by globally certified and Fortune 500 executive coach and leadership development expert, Neil Edwards, The Leadership Range is focused on having real, raw, soulful, and accountable conversations about inclusive leadership, allyship, professional development. Every week is a new episode with new learning and new actions to take on to grow inclusively. Make sure you check out The Leadership Range everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we're back. Hey, I want to thank... Uh, propaganda thank you so much uh, shout out to him and the team shout out to terraform make sure you cop the book the links in the show notes all right look it's important that we remember that nothing's going to change systemically without actually engaging systems right like we have to start getting we have to get beyond using these words and not applying them practically right so when we say there's systemic problems that means that there's systemic issues which means that we have to actually change and engage those systems. And to, to change those systems, we have to think systemically. We have to be imaginative. We have to be courageous, right? Like, and I get it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm looking on, you know, LinkedIn and I see a bunch of folks um, getting promoted. And like a lot of us, black folks specifically and brown folks, like we're in these places that discourage systems thinking. It's easier and a lot of different ways to go along and get along, um, to play the game. You're playing yourself, but I get it. Play the game, quote unquote. And they hand you your, you know, your 10% raise or your 15% raise, maybe, uh, with a, you know, a senior in front of your title, and you've made it, right? But that doesn't actually create systems change. That doesn't impact generations later down the road. It's ego. To think that when you get to the top of this system, you're going to change the whole system. That's ego. Because there's no history that we have of anybody getting into like a senior position and then changing the game from the inside. Like that's not a true thing, right? It's just not. I want you to, you know, to receive that um, because once you can really appreciate and understand that the systems are broken. So it doesn't matter if we have representational uh, diversity um, that doesn't equate to uh, systemic justice or transformation. Yeah, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. Audrey Lord, right? We have to engage systems outside of the room. We need to create systems and use those systems 
against systems, against current systems. You beat systems with a system, right? You don't beat systems by trying to fix the system. <laughs> anyway, look, it's a hard week. Um, there's gonna be a lot of emotions and feelings everyone's going through as we continue to process the Derek Chauvin sentencing. My hope is that you take care of yourself. Let folks know about Living Corporate. Give us a review or three. Share with a friend or five. We'll catch up with you later. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.